and welcome back to the Westpac Enterprising Podcast. My name is Chantal Costello and I'm the Marketing and Project Officer in Westpac. Coming to you here from Galway Technology Centre in Merview, I'm your host for today. I'm delighted to be joined here by Noreen Darcy, the founder of Darcy Marketing and PR. Today we will be speaking about female entrepreneurship, the do's and don'ts in marketing for startups and of course starting your own business. You're very welcome and thank you so much for joining us here today Noreen. Thank you very much, Chantelle, for having me. Delighted to be back in the Westwick office. It's been quite a while since I've been here, but from COVID and all, but it always has uh, a fondness and, <laughs> and happiness for me to come into Westwick. Oh, great. Thank you very much. So um, just briefly um, then to outline. So Noreen Darcy has over 30 years business and industry experience across multiple sectors and has run Darcy Marketing and PR for 24 years. Um, 25, 25 now. Wow. <laughs> what an achievement. Um, Noreen's ability to establish correct marketing position, uh, targeted vision and mentor clients on how to achieve their goals in a practical and can-do manner is second to none. Darcy Marketing is bilingual and so can create the necessary internal and external communications to ensure that the team and the customers are on message with their brand, whether that be in English or Oscuelga. Darcy Marketing and PR have the experience, industry knowledge and contacts to work with clients to develop and execute their marketing and communication strategy. So I hope I've done you some justice there, Noreen, but I'd love to hear from your perspective if you could briefly outline your business for our listeners. I'm sure I recognise myself from that uh, <laughs> intro, but thank you very much, Chantal. Darcy Marketing and PR is 25 years uh, on the road this year, um, started on the 2nd of January 1998, um, so 2.5 decades, and have seen a lot from foot and mouth to uh, Zars to Ash Cloud to the greatest recession the world has ever seen, and obviously, most recently, the shutdown by COVID. So I'm grateful in every sense of the word uh, and of the word to still be here, operating as a sole trader, freelancing uh, and, and, and my business. And without customers, you can't operate. So to my clients and my customers, uh, I thank them most uh, sincerely for everything over the last 25 years. Prior to that, I had worked as a sales and marketing manager for uh, Sinish Hotels and opened Brooks Hotel in Dublin in 97 with uh, Charlie Sinnott, whom I'm still in contact with. He was a huge mentor and still is, uh, and business contact and colleague um, uh, to me. He was a top taskmaster and um, I didn't have a degree at the time, nor do I have now, but um, <laughs> he uh, gave me a master's and PhD education in marketing and above all sales and selling and um, then a little back book now a full form of contacts. I had been there for four and a half years, uh, four and a half brilliant years uh, with great learnings, very very hard work, huge contacts but a great knowledge and understanding of the hotel business and uh, the uh, tourism industry which I didn't have, I had no knowledge of hotels because I'd say I was the only one in my class in St. Paul's and Clark that didn't go washing dishes and making beds or waiting on table for him <laughs> uh, because we had a shop at home. Um, so I, I hadn't worked from, and prior to working for Sinnott Hotels, uh, I got my grounding and I suppose the degree I didn't have with a company called Coastal Connemara, which was a community tourism development um, agency. And that was my first connection with uh, Westwick 
and uh, with then Joe, uh, Joe Greeny, um, who worked here for many years. And uh, that was a community tourism development uh, group, voluntary, but with membership. They were paying £100 into a kitty each, and it was 70 businesses. And uh, it was led by a voluntary committee, and the chairperson of it was Donald Sondland uh, of Sondland's Shop in Spittle. And again, another fantastic mentor, teacher, business colleague, friend uh, to me over the years. And... Um, I suppose I had, uh, and that was fantastic learning. I was uh, I was the only employee, uh, so I had to uh, sit or stand, <laughs> sink or swim, uh, and it was a huge opportunity because uh, my leaving start didn't go according to plan at all, and I got one honour at the Honours Irish, and the C in past maths, which I'm still astounded at, because uh, that was one of my weakest subjects. And I got more these and these than we get in the packet of M and M's. <laughs> but I was lucky enough to pass my leaving cert. I didn't want to repeat, and I ended in Lever Kelly uh, RTC in 1987. And I had three absolutely wonderful years uh, of fun, too much fun maybe. Uh, and I studied business studies and marketing. And uh, there were no jobs, uh, and certainly no jobs in marketing back then. And I was lucky. Um, to have Irish um, and to have a B in honours Irish and it's something that has stood to me to this day. I fell into the job in Honora uh, because I applied for the job in Irish and I wrote my CV in Irish. My sister was doing her leaving search and she checked it and checked the grammar for me and that's how I got my start. And all of those two jobs, those two jobs mm. before I became self-employed were the most fantastic education and learning in business and marketing that any person could ever have and for that I'm very very grateful. Yeah and it's amazing I think how you'd look back and even say oh the leaving cert didn't go according to plan but there'd be a lot of students now who think that that could be the end of the world but I suppose looking back you can see how you know how you can still move forward and you can still be very successful despite you know thinking that you know, your life is over if the leaving cert doesn't go according to plan. And I didn't think my life was over and I bawled, cried and I didn't want to collect my leaving cert results, I remember. Um, I didn't collect them until I think it was seven or eight o'clock in the evening. I remember the caretaker saying, you're late. <laughs> there was no online checks then. She gave me a little brown envelope. Oh. And all I can remember seeing, opening it, I saw the B and then I looked down and I saw the D's and the E's and E in accountancy and E in home economics and oh my God, I sank. All I wanted to do was die. And I was imagining all my friends going off to college and doing their own thing and me being stuck back in St. Paul's repeating. Yeah. But my angels were on my side and yeah. they guided me to Leverkenny. It was home away from home. It was fantastic. <laughs> and so then after your couple of years working within the hotel industry, what made you kind of go and set up your own business or did you always have aspirations to become an entrepreneur? Many of the, I suppose, the greatest uh, ideas and um, the greatest risks are taken over pints <laughs> in Ireland. Maybe they're not the best, or maybe they're not the worst. Uh, but uh, I'll credit this one to Thomas Sandal uh, of Sandals and Spittle. Um, I had spent four and a half wonderful years uh, working in the Cumara Coast, and back then there was two. Two and a half full-time sales and marketing uh, jobs in Galway City um, in hotels. And if I didn't have a career path because I didn't know what I wanted yeah. to do. <laughs> kind of still don't. <laughs> but, and, and I go along and things, things happen for me, I suppose. I, I had had fantastic years, fantastic experience, wonderful travel. 
uh, with the tourism and the hotel industry. And I spent a lot of time um, abroad in wintertime at trade shows, sales calls, all of that. But me needing a change was that Charlie Sinnott had asked me to do yet another uh, overseas trade show. And then suddenly what was becoming four days became two and a half weeks travel across Europe, 10 cities with a bag of clothes, uh, a bag of brochures and a photo album. There was no mobile phone, there was no laptop, there was no devices and off I went. I did 10 cities, uh, planes, trains and automobiles, didn't miss any flights, any didn't get killed um, and made all my appointments and uh, sent back a handwritten sales report uh, every evening. And I thought, good God, if I can do this on my own, uh, I can do lots of things. I need my next learning uh, and that. And I remember ringing on the standard and said to him, look, um, I need change and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. And we went to the old 12 pins and we had dinner and we had a clatter of pints, if you excuse the expression. And Donald said to me, he goes, you've all the contacts, you've all the experience, he said, and there's lots of businesses out there, including my own, that can't afford and don't need to employ a full-time marketing person, but could do with your expertise. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go freelance? And I thought about it and thought about it. And it gave me butterflies of excitement in my stomach. And I thought, oh God, this has been great. I'm a businesswoman off, you know, <laughs> Uh, folder and my briefcase and all of that. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and that. So uh, I handed in my notice in July and Charlie Sinder wouldn't accept it. And I handed it in again at the races and he wouldn't accept it again. And he said, stay on. And I said, no, I think I need to go. And we're on good footing and good friends and uh, good colleagues. And I'm glad uh, because we have remained in good contact. So I took a couple of months off. In hindsight, I should have gone away, gone abroad and done something else and, you know, let out mm-hmm. before starting. Uh, but it was always, OK, I'm going to go freelance. But what happened with me was that people heard I left Charlie Sinnott's and the next thing was job offers coming left, right and centre. And there was work coming left, right and centre. I've been very lucky in respect that I've never, other than maybe COVID or uh, when the severe recession happened, that you had no clients or you had you know you were down to your last um, and that work has always come to me but there's a lot more competition out there now there's a lot more um there and, and and that's good because it keeps you on your toes and you know back then pr and marketing was going to dublin now there's a wonderful cohort of brilliant men and women delivering uh, services in marketing and PR, digitally and social media and otherwise, here in Galway. So the business the business stays. So as I had Irish, there was work coming mm. to me. And then some of it maybe became a little bit of an avalanche. And then I took on staff without maybe being prepared at the time. Okay. When you're starting out in business, the one piece of advice that I would say is take the time out. Focus on what it is you are going to be or where you want to go with the business, what the idea is, what the kernel is, whether it's a service or whether it's a product that you're developing. And surround yourself by independent people, not yes people that will tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Much and all, as though Sandler and Charlie's in it, uh, gave me every vote of confidence and all of that. You need a number of other people who will actually challenge you in terms of getting the business plan down on paper getting the financials down in paper. And looking at, in my case, it was what was in my head. It was my creativity, It was, and it still is, and my contacts. 
and putting a value and a worth on that so that the one point I will make is that you're not a busy you're not a busy fool as you start out yeah. because at the end of the day I was only 28 years of age so would you say that was probably like your biggest challenge when yes. starting out yes. okay scheduling planning and it still is I'm a bit of a doer crammer and I love working under pressure and that's not the best way to work yeah I suppose it works for some people but maybe not for yeah. everyone yeah, it's not the way to continuously be something that we see day in and day out with entrepreneurs is how to build out the right team and how to, when to know to take on people and when your expertise is you know your business will only grow by taking on more expertise and when to do that but also who are the right people so I think that, that can be very common challenge as well yes it can be and when to let them go as yeah. well because um you know when we it, you know our world has experienced one of the worst recessions in history so far um and and with covid and all of that it's able to make those ruthless decisions mm -hmm. as well to to cut costs and more often than not in a small service-based business it has to be staffed yeah um, okay, so let's move on a little bit. I know um, we had International Women's Day this March, on the 8th of March, so did you celebrate that, being a female founder yourself? I did, yes, absolutely, and I attended a wonderful event in the gorgeous uh, Dean Hotel here in the city, um, organised by the Chamber of Commerce. It was moderated by um, Evan Ryan from the Connacht Hotel Group, and it's wonderful to see Evan as a woman as the incoming president of Galway Chamber of Commerce, uh, who moderated this particular event beautifully and so warmly and lovely and fun. But it was three speakers I'd never heard um, before. I found the event absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. They blew me away. Professor Eamon Mulligan, uh, Elaine Murphy from Signify. Uh, Professor Mulligan is a tax expert in, in, um, in NUIG, uh, or University of Galway now. And uh, Elaine Murphy is Signify Health, and uh, Rector Linda Pello um, from St. Nicholas's. So it was three very diverse women. But they, there was an air of fun, devilment, droll, witty conversation, um, but a great sense of uh, reality. And I did remark that day that there was two words that came to mind during the whole event, and that was self-aware. And they each spoke about their own self-awareness from their childhood, from their upbringing, from their decisions to embark on the careers that they've embarked on. Some happened by chance and some, you know, were focused and, and, and deliberate. Um, and it, it, it was really a fantastic event and it was great fun and laughter, but a great sense of reality as well, too, in terms of the challenges that women face, whether you're a single person uh, like uh, like myself um, and giving it all to your business. You also have a family and friends that you have to look out for, but also those that are married, mothers, um, mm. young families, balancing all of that, but also in terms of you know how um, their innate skills and their innate beings and their innate qualities have led them in a lot, lot of respects to where they are now mm. and the importance of self awareness as to who and what you are, what makes you tick, whether it's from your hobbies, your sport, uh, your life experiences or your family upbringing. And I think that's something that we all uh, have to be very aware of. There's a lot of talk in today's world in terms of uh, mindfulness and uh, minding our, mental, our mental, mental health. But we also have to go with our guts and be aware of where our gut is uh, bringing us, whether that's into an area where there's fear or there's going to be a huge challenge or into an area of excitement and the big next step and not to be afraid to deal with either of them. 
or whether that's bringing in other people to help you make those decisions or to guide you in those decisions. Um, that came across really well. Mm-hmm. But it was a fantastic event. And afterwards, then, I went to see another wonderful um, uh, bunch of ladies, and that's the poor carers down in, in Mons. And again, going back to the whole conversation of self-awareness and, you know, when you face challenges in life and whatever, the poor players um, have been very good to me in recent in recent years. And I think everybody needs different forms of support, uh, be that in business or be that in life. So that's what I did for um, International Women's Day. Two very diverse groups of women yeah. are all very important to me. You've inspired me there a little bit as well, actually. No, it's a very important conversation. And I think, like you said, they're kind of leading with your gut and not being afraid to make the hard decisions. At the end of the day, you're the one who has to live your life. And I think, you know, especially women, we can be very um, like opposed to risk in comparison with men in particular when it comes to business. And sometimes it does just take that, you know, leap of faith to yes. go for it. Afraid to make hard decisions, I think, and also afraid of maybe the word no and saying no mm-hmm. uh, and believing in it and believing that it's the right uh, decision to make. And also being afraid maybe of facing what it is you have to work on for yourself. And that's the one thing I think for everybody in business, nobody's good at everything. But you might have put the perception out there that you actually are and that everything is fine and that everything is perfect. Whereas behind those scenes, you might be struggling with particular aspects, whether they're aspects of your life or your business or financials or whatever. Um, And it's not to be afraid to deal with those. And uh, maybe early on and at the beginning, to get the right mentors and to get the mentors for the areas that you are challenged in, not the areas that you're good in. Make the areas that you're good in, yes, to make them better, but the areas that you're challenged in uh, to get the right supports there and to listen to the professionals and not to be afraid to. And even if they, even if you're taking the hope of what they're telling you, they're doing it for a reason, get a second opinion if need be and then go and make your decision. Very good. So speaking of, I suppose, taking on... Um mentorship and guidance. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your involvement with the Empower programme run by ATU? I am very honoured to have been asked by Maria Staunton of ATU Galway to moderate um, their final event for the Kumasu Empower programme that they're running in association with Udras and Gaithafta on the 31st of March. It's a long time since I've done something like that and uh, it brought a huge smile to my face and a huge warm fuzzy uh, feeling because obviously we're well out of COVID now so events are all back Mm -hmm. but I'm very excited but above all very honoured by both ATU and um, both organisations that I have a long uh, association with and a great fondness for and respect for for all the people that work there so on the 31st um, I'm looking forward to seeing 15 fantastic businesswomen pitch their business ideas and concepts, some of whom are startups, some of whom are kernels of ideas, and some of whom are um, already in business, uh, and see, uh, you know, learn from, from their experiences. And we'll also, on the day, uh, have a panel of, of, of fantastic uh, established businesswomen as, as judges, Kalina Sandun, Gemma Mikyama, uh, and Kathleen McDonough of Go West. And then we're going to have some fireside chats in the afternoon as well, too. Uh, and uh, there'll be a great energy at that, mm. at that event and I'm very excited about it because I think women need to look out for each other 
uh, and need to work together. And we do need male role models as well to and male colleagues and male associates. Uh, but it's wonderful to see more and more and more uh, women coming to the fore in leadership roles mm-hmm. and there's more that needed in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And just addressing that under representation of, I suppose, women, um, women-led businesses that start and then achieve considerable scale, I know it requires a tailored approach and focused um, approaches in terms of support, development and networking opportunities. But is there anything that you have kind of seen that is missing in the space or any supports that you think would be more beneficial or do you think that, you know, that the supports that are available are sufficient at this space and time? Um, next Thursday evening, there's um, a wonderful lady being honoured uh, with a black tie dinner, Mary Bennett at the Treasure Chest uh, by Scala International. And it's um, uh, a hotelier, uh, travel and tourism association with worldwide clubs. And I'm looking up to have been president of it in Galway twice. I guess that Mary is probably in the 80s. And she's still going to work in the shop every day. She's raised a family um, and she's grandchildren and she's employed numerous people since 1965 and she has been I suppose a minister for tourism for Galway and such um, a minister for and leader for female entrepreneurship as well and um, I'm about on the committee for the organising of the dinner and I'm going how did she do it all when there was so little support then even when I started out or even when I started working as I said there was two and a half and sales and marketing managers' jobs in Galway at the time. The bulk of general managers in hotels were were, were men. Um, and now there are so many women working in tourism. Uh, another area that I work in, which is 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 filmed on TV and with TG Cahar, there are fantastic independent production companies being led by women. Uh, all over the country, and there's more and more women uh, leading. So the supports are building. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more that needs to be done in terms of um, coaching, business supports, financial supports, uh, learnings. But again, the majority of women are also uh, wives and mothers. So the government needs to put more supports in place uh, in terms of childcare, making those things more affordable. And I think the benefits of what has come with COVID in terms of working from home with flexible working hours we now know that our teams are um, can work from home and can honestly work from home and deliver um, on what they're doing in terms of their deliverables from projects. And it's not necessarily having to be hemmed into a nine to five or yeah. a nine to six position. The work gets done and people want their jobs, they want their careers, they want their outlets, they want their brains working and they want to give to society, be that economically or otherwise. But I think there's a there's 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 a long way to go. Like Breda Fox, who's um, recently retired from uh, Galway Leo, she brought another energy for women uh, startups with what she implemented. And the schemes may already have been there, but it's how she brought them across to yes, women. Yes. So again, that is the point of more women leaders. Mary Ryan's been here in West Vic as long as I've been uh, been been working. And again, a huge advocate and support mm. for women and a driver of women and somebody who comes along and pats women on the back. And we need to do that to each other. We don't need to take each other down. We need to um, we right. need to motivate each other, support each other and put our arms around. So the more ladies days that are out there and the more events that are out there for women, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, speaking of um, 
International Women's Day, Mary was speaking at an event in the Druid. It was ran in conjunction with Ideas Lab in the University of Galway. And um, it was a fantastic event as well. And it was all about that kind of rising each other up and what would you tell your, you know, your 20-year-old self. And there was a great student cohort there. So there was a lot of energy and excitement in the room at the time. So it's just funny that, you know, everything kind of that, that relates back. And that, that group, and unfortunately, I, I was splitting myself different ways that, that day. And the Ideas Lab events, uh, again, led and driven by another wonderful powerhouse woman, Lisa Regan, Lisa Regan PR, yes. um, who's more energy than enough. Um, and again, bringing you know, great diversity mm. and great, you know, up the wall ideas and not being afraid to express yes. what you want to say. And that is what it's all about because nothing that's been said is, is wrong. Everything is an idea. Everything is an opinion. You may not agree with it, yeah. but share it. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody will get something from it. There you go. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. And just as you say, they're like bringing energy and bringing passion to the table. One thing that I have a huge interest in is marketing yourself. And having a background in marketing as well my, myself, I think it's important to like put in a little bit of emphasis on your personal branding, and as well in terms of like entrepreneurship, because often the entrepreneur is their brand. So, would you have any advice, kind of, for people or for entrepreneurs on marketing themselves? <laughs> Mary Ryan mentioned this to me in a more weeks ago at a Chamber of Commerce uh, conference. But you're 35 years from in and do a podcast. That's going to go on, though, I get. And I love putting all my clients out there, like running an event last week uh, on set for Russell which was um, celebrating, you know, a broadcast of 2,000 episodes. That's me out there uh, mm. doing that with Russell putting myself forward and in this position uh, I didn't sleep very well last night <laughs> and, uh, and I was quite nervous coming in here this morning because um, the old adage and the old saying the nearest the church the furthest from God the closer you are to yourself the harder it is sure what anybody wants to hear about me for it so this is a huge opportunity for me but it's also a big step because mm -hmm. I think it's only the second time maybe ever that I've really you know spoken about myself you know on one on one Mm. that's going to go public um, so uh, from I am my own brand uh, uh, most certainly and I'm a prime example of that and um, what I am embarking on now is a mentorship program for myself uh, with somebody a man actually as it happens um, who was recommended to me by um, an old colleague um, from my days in the Connemara Coast, who knew absolutely nothing about me, big, little or small, other than um, what I told him. And as he's um, as he's become more involved, the, the sessions have, 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 have grown. Again, he's pulling at me from the things that maybe I want to shy away from mm -hmm. and say, God, you know, no. Uh, yeah, while I know uh, their, their values in me, I'm shy of putting them out there. So to answer your question, uh, we are our own brands, uh, men and women uh, in business, and we need somebody impartial, independent, and a little bit ruthless to tell us and to drive us to identify and pull from within ourselves who we actually are, what we're good at, and also what we're bad at, mm -hmm. and then find the balance for projecting and building on the strengths, and okay, how do we overcome the weaknesses to make them into opportunities? Yeah. So we need that independent mentorship 
uh, and there's lots of very good ones mm -hmm. out there. But sometimes you need somebody who um, is coming into a black canvas and knows absolutely nothing about you and will make you delve within yourself. Yeah, and that's true because I think um, there's a stat that somebody will make a first impression of you in the first eight seconds that they when they see you. So it's very easy to think you might come across a certain way, but other people will see you in a completely different light. So I, I agree with having, you know, an external presence to kind of make those that analysis and to the guide you forward. The you best is, uh, is yourself. But they, uh, there are parts within you that maybe you're shy of cultivating mm -hmm. and, uh, and you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, then just in terms of marketing for startups, um, I think it's something that we see time and time again kind of gets pushed down the financial model for a couple of years until time or budget allows. But would you say that there's any few quick tips that startups could, you know, focus on in the initial stages in terms of marketing their product or service or um, their business in general? Fortunately, uh, marketing has become um, and, and PR has become mainstream in the business plan. Uh, when I came out of college back in uh, 1990, 1991, uh, marketing wasn't on the radar. It was the accounts, the financials and go and you know sell, whether that was door to door or across the counter or whatever. Um, but building a brand, all of that, and that has evolved and has evolved to a phenomenal and a wonderful level when we look at the opportunities, jobs and career paths that are there in marketing, in PR and in communications. But uh, I will always say that marketing is the posh first cousin of sales. And if marketing isn't driving inquiries to buy, to purchase or to book, well, then there's something wrong with that yeah. because then it's not converting into a sale with money into the bank account to pay the wages, the bills, the insurances, and uh, and develop the business further. So uh, marketing is the posh first cousin of sales. Uh, and sales remains, in my own humble opinion, hugely important um, in the tourism industry, in um, whether it's in the FMCG sector, whether it's, you know what I mean, in the pharma med tech or tech, or sales is, is, is part of that mix. In today's world, at the press of a button, we have Google. Mm -hmm. And we have so much available to us that there's a lot more that can be done now as a startup to keep your costs to a minimum via the wonderful tool that is LinkedIn, via podcasts like what Westgate will provide that we can literally log on, listen as we're driving our car, going to a meeting or out for a walk or our dog and learn yeah. from other businesses what they are doing. Also learn in terms of you know, from the marketing experts, from the sales experts. And there are so many TED Talks, all of that. There is so much of that. Again, it's finding the time to do that. But there are times in your day that you can do that. Again, download it while you're in the car, uh, out for a walk, all of that. Um, so there's a lot that can be done with little to no budget. Um, but again, it's knowing and understanding um, the market, the market for your product, the target market and the segments that are within it for the product, for the brand, for the service, who will buy it, what they what they want, and getting to them of what are the channels to get. Everyone will say now all social media is where it's at. Yeah. And um, yes, social media is there. It's part and parcel of the marketing plan and the marketing strategy. It's an element of it. But again, it may not be the exact element. It may be part of the overall solution for bringing a product or your service to the marketplace. Yeah. I think as well, it's about knowing, as you say, there where the market is, where they're spending their time and mm. not kind of, 
shooting out the exact same message across every single platform that you can get your hands on. Like it's a it's a waste of time, but it's a waste waste of your resources, and like it's not going to actually meet the needs of your target audience. Which you I have think to research your market. Plus, you have to research the marketing solutions that are suitable and the PR solutions that are suitable. Um, because um, we have a wonderful um platform of media here in Galway, uh, right across broadcast print. Today's Thursday, kind of Tribune, Galway Advertiser, mm. and it is it's very, very, uh, very, very important. But that's not necessarily maybe what's important for 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 every business. Mm-hmm. It may be you know what I mean a B two B, and it may be a podcast via the Westwick Network, for example. Often uh, businesses can look at um, advertising, be it in national media, radio, all of that, and it's 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 the mix. But you have to measure what's coming back from that because a review. Yes. From an influencer or from a, one of the fantastic foodies, for example, if you have a restaurant TV reviewer to um, uh, John Boland, for example, all of that. If they're writing about you and they're talking about you, that can reduce your marketing spend and your advertising spend. Mm-hmm. And it's bringing your plant and your product out there to the market. So it's having the mix of activities that are marketing, sales, digital public relations, press, and social. Yes. Of what channels work best for you. So again, you're measuring all the time where the business is coming from. Yeah. And then in your experience, what would you say companies struggle with in terms of like creating their own unique story and conveying that to their target market? They may not see what is unique in them. Their perception of what's unique may not be what the customer sees as unique. And may not actually be the solution that the customer is um, is is looking for. Um, number just before COVID, I worked with a fantastic team in uh, Kalmar Abbey, and again, an amazing resource that we have in Connemara for Galwegians, for Irish people, and the world over knows uh, Kalmar Abbey in America, for example. Um, and to this day, I will still say the presence of the Benedictine community in the in Calmore Abbey and on site is part of their unique selling point. Because again, the mindfulness, the story of the Benedictine community, how they've developed um, Calmore Abbey, and the features that are within it, that it's not just about the abbey and the history, that it's about the gardens, that it's about the food, that it's about the, the products that they make, Sister Genevieve and her chocolate and her soap. It's all of that. So it's kind of like um, lifting the bonnet on a car and going, okay, what are all the pieces that are here in mm-hmm. the engine and how do each one of them work? The same applies to your business because actually there may be multiple facets and you actually you're only selling the overall, but actually if you delve a bit deeper uh, and find segments within that product under the same umbrella brand, yeah. you're bringing those to the market, and they will become um, cash flow and cash cows. Yeah, and that makes sense too if if you think about it, because you're going to have different types of target customers. So as you say. Um, one thing that might be unique to one customer may be complete, like not what the other customer sees as unique, and that's where it's important to establish those different channels. It, it, the same applies, we would say, with clients that I work with, like you know, the Saroon, uh, the TV show, um, our shop window is the broadcast of the program um, on on a Tuesday and a Thursday mm-hmm. evening. The actors, the stories, 
be the seriousness of the stories or be the um, be the fun that's happening on screen that's entertaining. And it has to be about entertainment. But behind that are a series of very creative writers. And then the actors work with the writers to deliver their stories. But then behind that, again, is the crew, the set designers, the cameramen, the sound, all of that. And it's their stories. And then that telling those stories then involves and gets more people interested in the overall production. And, oh, actually, how can I learn that? Because actually I might want to get out of what I'm doing and maybe go and do something like that. Yeah. Be that go from acting to writing or to writing to sound or uh, and all of that. So it's telling all the different stories within that one grant. Yeah. And just there, so you mentioned Ross Maroon, Udaras, I think you've worked with Gobos, would that be right, yeah. Wildlands, um, Goi Food Festival. There's been like a myriad of different um, clients and campaigns that you have worked on over your 25 years in business. So what would you say has been your most exciting or your favourite campaign to have worked on and why? Each one of them. Um, when I see my clients either in print or in digital, forms online or see them on TV like you know two wonderful actors from uh, with Saroon on with Dahi and Maura last week photos in the paper or I hear them on radio and all that that's what brings absolute and utter joy to me each and every one of them has been unique uh, each and every one of them I've also tried to learn from for myself if it brings value to their to their business that's the most important thing for me but there was one and it was probably the smallest budget I ever worked on. But it brought me great excitement and a fantastic sense of well-being and wow. But it also brought me a big client. Like, as I said earlier, there's a, a lot more marketing and PR agencies now in Galway doing fantastic work. So um, the business is staying in Galway. So that's helping Galway yes. economically and the West of Ireland. We don't have to go to the big and there's nothing wrong with big Dublin PR agencies that do it. We have the same services here and we have the same connections with the media in Dublin as well, which is, is the powerhouse. At the time, going back maybe about, um, I suppose, 10, 15 years ago, um, I had three, four people. It was a lot of mouths to feed every Friday employed. And uh, I was going, okay, who's doing PR and uh, who's in the business to Dublin? Knocking on their doors, you know, why don't you come to us? Especially knocking on Grant uh, based companies uh, say, look, we're you know bilingual office. We have a great guy on our team. We can deliver to you. We can deliver the service, full service, um, and we can service the Gaelic media and we can service the, the nationals. Uh, a gentleman by the name of a um, Adrian Devan had developed a teddy bear, which was a talking teddy bear that could teach kids Irish, Ingle, Three, Throne, Puss, Bale, blah blah blah. He had an amount of teddy bears left over after the Christmas market and he needed to ship them, he needed to sell them. And he came to me and I said, okay, right, we need to ship these. Shop them, the bag is coming up. I said, that's your time now to ship them. Okay. And I said, we put a campaign together. Now his budget was extremely small, but the product was lovely and Adrian's lovely. And Adrian's a film producer. So I said, off they go on this. But we had so much crack and fun in our office with that teddy bear. And we got it on to the Late Late Show. We got it on with uh, Tom Dunn on News Talk and all of that. And I was looking and watching them. At that stage, Tourism Ireland were starting to invest an awful lot of money on bringing St. Patrick's Day around the world and everywhere going green from the Taj Mahal to Buckingham Palace, maybe. <laughs> and they were spending a lot of money. And I thought, you know what? This would be lovely on um, Graham Norton's or Jonathan Moss's show. And the girls in the office said, 
it's not paying us to do that. And I said, yeah, but should we challenge ourselves and we do it? And we see, see, can we do it out of an office in the office of in Galway? And can we lend it? And that, um, so we packed off two teddy bears over to England with Adrian. And uh, no reply from um, Graham Norton. At that stage, he wasn't as into his Irishness as he is now and being home and all of that. And uh, the researcher from the Jonathan Roth show came back and said, lovely idea, all of that, but we're down to the last two shows, uh, too late. Thanks. Uh, nice idea. Like it. Bit of crack. Jonathan had fun with it. And I was going, all right, okay. So Twitter was evolving. And then I saw online that Daryl Green, the comedian, was going to be on the last show. Came back to him and again, I said, I have contact now here. And his window was open and he was replying to my emails. So I said to him, I said, I've just noticed, I said, that Daryl Green's going to be on your last show of the season. I said, he's great for and I said, I can write out phonetically, I said, a couple of things that he can teach Jonathan um, the show. from the teddy bear and have a bit of crack. Would you chance it? And he said, okay, we'll have a look at it. The team meeting on Tuesday came back and he goes, yeah, they're interested. Give me this, this and this. Wrote them out phonetically, sent them over and all of that. And uh, the show's been cut and been cut. And I remember to this day, uh, it was a Friday afternoon, I was walking down High Street outside the King's Head and 0044 came up on my mobile and I said, okay, hello, <laughs> <laughs> we're either in or we're out. And he said, you've made the cut, but you can't tell anybody until it appears on the show on Saturday night. Jonathan Ross show opened with Bobo Baby sitting on Jonathan Ross's uh, desk yeah. and Daryl being in the room. That was just absolutely fantastic. I've been knocking on Russ Newland's door for years previous to that, and they were always in contact with an agency in Dublin. Monday morning, morning, who the founder, creator, who has since passed on, uh, was on the phone going, I heard it was you that landed the uh, bubble baby on the Jonathan Ross. Can I meet you this evening at six o'clock, half six, probably? And I've been knocking on Russ Newland ever since. Well, you never know. You just never know what that is. Yeah. Phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, and I had two great ladies in the office, Eva Carney, who's now with um, John Mannion and his pop group, and uh, Emma Scott, who's now from um, that car, and she's now a director with Fleshman and Hilliard Saunders PR in Dublin, and they, uh, they were working with me at the time, and it was great fun. Yeah. And Rebecca Rocca as well, too, who's done it. Yeah, we had great fun with that little teddy bear. And the budget was tiny, but it led to something. And again, I think the message from that is uniqueness, get creative, and push boundaries and say, throw caution to the wind, feck it, we'll go for this. So would that be your biggest piece of advice then that you pass on to any founders now or early stage entrepreneurs? Yeah. Just go for it. Go for it. Yeah. If it fails, it fails. Um, but what I've learned you have to do um, and you have to be hard on yourself is to learn from the failures yeah. um, and don't keep making the same mistakes. Now, sometimes it can take a bit of a sledgehammer um, to teach, depending on what sort of a person you are. Uh, and I've had that experience for myself, a sledgehammer um, uh, in my life. And I'm grateful to still be here. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually Michael Fury of Ron Spot who said that on a previous podcast, to fail fast and move on. And I think it's a very yes, good message. It's moving on. Yeah. Uh, and that can depend on the nature of the person. And mm. that's maybe where you need the external help okay. to help you uh, 
Put that thing. Oh my God, Jeannie Mac, I can't ever be talking about me. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let that go. People have things going on in their own life. They're not going to be talking about you. Yeah, exactly. You know, after a while, you know, um, but you have to learn mm -hmm. um, from mistakes. And sometimes it takes a long time to do that. And what would you say you are most excited about now? Is there anything you're working on or anything you're looking forward to in particular? Um, all my clients are, are lovely. I'm very excited. Um, the most thing that I'm excited about now is uh, the Irish language, something that has been close to my heart all my life. I don't come from a great area. I come from a beautiful place called Calumuk in Moscow on the shores of Lockhart. We had a teacher in primary school that Irish into us and you would have been petrified going into school if you didn't have your core all done. Irish was something that always came easy to me. So that's, I suppose, uh, if I'm looking at myself as a brand, my USB. But um, what has happened in recent years, and especially in the last month, with T.G. Cahar and Colleen Kuhn and their Simi Cahar product, uh, been nominated for an Oscar and going get going all over the world. Um, that is one thing that I am very excited about. Um, I'm going to be working on the Rotten Clone, T.G. Cahar, and there's a fabulous new drama series, Celia Ella, coming out um, in April as well too, and made by Dono Media, whole part of the production of Rose Maroon, and I'm very excited about those. And I'm very excited about everything that I'm working on. I suppose the most exciting thing for me is maybe working on myself, something mm. I haven't really done to a depth before. And that's uh, it's nerving, nerving and, but exciting what I need to do. Mm. That's a lovely message, actually, to send out. Um, so if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where's the best place to find you? Uh, Dyson Marketing and PR online uh, website, dysonmarketingandpr.ie, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, DMPR underscore Galway. A lot of people do, I suppose, uh, we have to thank as well, supportive family and supportive friends, colleagues uh, along the way. And in particular, organisations like you know, Westbic and the friendships that I've, and colleagues that I've, I've forged you know, with John, with Mary, everybody. Mm -hmm. Because we all need that. We might be in constant contact, but we like we need pick-me-ups every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just before we finish up, we actually have a closing tradition on this podcast, um, which is a quick fire round. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw them at you. And the first answer that pops into your head. Um, so do you prefer to work from home or the office? Uh, Apple or Windows? Windows? Email or phone calls? Phone calls, they're becoming less and less because less people answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tea or coffee? Tea. Um, LinkedIn or Twitter? Oh, uh, Twitter, but I'm getting more in on LinkedIn, yeah. People struggle with that one actually. Um, early bird or night owl? Both. <laughs> um, reading or podcasts? Reading. And time blocking or winging it? Oh, <laughs> <answer> <laughs> I am actually uh, on a time log at the moment for every minute of my waking day <laughs> to see where my time is going. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on today, Noreen, and thanks for all of our listeners um, for checking in with us again. So we'll leave your contact details in the show notes if anyone wants to get in touch with you. But I think it's fair to say this conversation has been really insightful and very valuable as well. So I just really want to thank you for coming on. I hope so. Thank you very, very much for having me. Uh, and thanks to Westbeak for the opportunity. 
Uh, I hope it will bring benefit um, Mm -hmm. to a listener or listeners. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to be notified about future podcasts. Please feel free to get in touch with us on social media and let us know if you found this episode beneficial. You can find us at Westwick on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to hear more about our available supports, please get in touch via our website www.westwick.ie and of course, stay tuned for our next podcast episode.